Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Before we get started, today's episode does mention suicide briefly. If that's going to be tough for you to listen to, please feel free to stop listening now and come back another day for a different episode. So we're back talking about um, mouth cancer as part of Mouth Cancer Action Month and have been speaking to different survivors um, who are really keen to share their story and raise awareness, which is always, you know, big thumbs up from us because we couldn't do it without them. Um, but yeah, back with Karen again, um, taking up a lot of your time this month, I know, but here we are. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so now we're going to hear from Laura. So Laura Marsden is, um, a mouth cancer survivor. She, um, makes lots of really good TikToks and videos about her journey post mouth cancer surgery. So, um, she's 41. She's a HR director in Hertfordshire. Um, and when she found out that she had mouth cancer, she was also told that almost her entire tongue would need to be removed. So it was left with five millimeters of her tongue left um, and that's it. So she was then told, you're going to need a permanent feeding tube. You're never going to eat properly again. Um, um, but she has turned that on its head and is actually made a cookbook for mouth cancer patients um, from going from just liquid foods to purees and talks about how she's able to enjoy the taste of food again even though she doesn't have a tongue and she's just an amazing amazing woman um, and we loved speaking to her so yeah that, I mean that's that's amazing isn't it and so such um, positivity for um, other people going through that that haven't quite reached her stage you know mm-hmm. they're they're in stages before where they perhaps can't see um, a future where they will be able to enjoy food again and where they'll be able to function normally um, and it, it's just such a brilliant thing to be able to uh, give other people in the same position such mm-hmm. such hope and you know, it just shows the resilience of people, and I'm I'm always in awe of people who, you know, can turn a situation and make it into a positive, which is absolutely amazing. Yeah, she and she does exactly that um, through talking to us and doing her awareness activities. But also, like I say, um, we connected through uh, the internet with her um, through her TikTok and Instagram, and the videos that she makes are amazing and she's so open about her journey and um how she has learned to adapt um after having her operation and 
you know, is, is cancer free, which is the biggest, the biggest thing, but she's just, yeah, an incredible woman. And you'll see from our conversation, um, just how amazing she is. Okay, so Laura, um, we obviously connected online um, and you do a really good job of raising awareness of tongue cancer. Your TikToks are amazing, um, which is how we found you. But um, do you want to just tell us about you, like what are your hobbies, interests, where you're from and just what sure. makes you you? Sure, sure. Um, so um, I'm Laura. Um, a lot of my family friends call me Dev. Um, if in the hospital team, so that the little Marsden. Um, I am married to um my fabulous husband John. Um, they have recently adopted a cat. Um, my hobbies. Um, I like to do a simple live action role play, which is like um a giant fancy dress problem solving team building. This ends with a couple of thousand friends and family um yeah so um what makes them here is that I'm, I'm quite an intuitive person um I have always been someone who likes to make sure everyone can um have some food and feel enthusiasm in anything that I do um I um my work I'm an HR director for <clears throat> a small company um that they've been very strong. Um, and I absolutely love that. It means that I can get to talk to ever more people sort of within my job as well as the things that are outside of my work. Amazing stuff. Um, so, yeah, it's great to get to know you um, a little bit more. Obviously, um, we're here to talk about tongue cancer and mouth cancer. Um, you're really open about sharing your experiences. But... Um, if we go back a little bit, what were some of the first things that you thought were maybe like initial warning signs looking back? Um, so looking back, um, it was uh it was about six months before I was diagnosed, no, no than that, about seven months before I was diagnosed. Um, I've had um I had like an obsessive first. I, I was first it all of the time. And um, my mum has diabetes, so I was like, oh, gosh, I wonder if. Um, had some tests done, and no, no diabetes. So um, <clears throat> put myself to the dentist, and I couldn't find any underlying issue. Um, but they just got me booked in for regular hygienist appointments and things. And then... Um, there was, it was about September, October time of 2018, then the bath of my time, I had like a bit of a sore patch, um, and, but then it disappeared. So I, I thought maybe that um, I'd hit it with my electric toothbrush or, or when I did some toast or something. And, and because it went away, I wasn't bothered by it at all. Um, and, but then... Over time, sort of over Christmas and into the year, the pain <clears throat> in the area kept coming back and then it would disappear again. But the times it would return remained like a day or two longer than the last time. 
and um, it wasn't until March of 2019 that I was out with my sister that um, I'd had a blimp and I felt like that, that pen. And my sister was like, that's one, that's one. And I went, oh, my tongue, it really hurts now. And it's been <clears throat> for probably about two weeks continuous now. And so she went, let's have a look, let's see what's there. And so she had a look and was like, that looks awful. It's like a massive ulcer and like um, a hole. Um, and I think they need to get that checked out. So then um, I did. Um, and I didn't think of going to a dentist. Um, and my reason is because in, in my head, the dentist, they look at those kids and bums. And this wasn't, this was like the very back of my tongue. Um, and plus, I've been to the hygienist, not long ago, um, sort of booked round about October time, and they couldn't say anything to just said it looked like I had, um, I'd pop myself. So, um, again, so I was like, oh, I'll put it to a doctor's appointment, um, and, and take it from there. Um, and that took me a long time to get into the dentist. So that took me through to the end of April. I ended up at the doctor's. Um, but doctors aren't prepared for a mouth cancer. Better than it's um, longer than the statistical edge of sort of someone in their 70s um, who doesn't have a smoke. Um, well, I didn't have a smoke. Um, <clears throat> and also, I'm not having a gym for either. So, my doctor was just probably something else. But compared to the referral, and then um, sent me over to have a biopsy. Um, but initially, so that, that whole period, <clears throat> my, only sight, my only symptoms were of this fall that would come and go. Um, and then it's not until then my sister saw it. But then I also had an ulcer underneath my tongue as well. So I had one at the top at the back and then another one underneath. Um, nothing else, no air pen or draw pen that um, fellow contact to the patients that I'd spoken to that they've had. I didn't have any of that. And sorry, how long between when the first pain happened and when you got your biopsy done? How how long a time was that um so that was about september and then the biopsy was um it's like the full sense of may so that's that it's about sort of eight months or something so and when you found out you had mouth cancer what what was what was that like oh man um my first thought was oh god it's only happened to me uh, <laughs> and then I worried about my job, like how am I going to pay the bills? Um, my my job at the time I was a recruitment specialist, so I'm interviewing people all day. Um, and and when I'm not interviewing, I'm training people how to interview. So my job was like ninety percent talking. Um, and I was like, how how now, I've been doing this role. For so long now, I'm too old to pretend for something where 
um, I might not be able to talk. How's that going to work? Look, so all those rocks and runs and rise are just like rushing to my head. Um, and I remember turning around to like my family. My family turned up um, in the afternoon and I was just like, I am so sorry that I am ill. Um, and, and I was just like, what are you talking about? And I, I'm, I'm so sorry, this is going to be hard. Um, our maternal grandmother had um, uh, oral cancer um, and passed away from that in like the mountains. And it was like, that. what she went through was hard work. And oh my gosh, I'm going to something similar. So having that knowledge of her um her treatment plan and then the outcome was that was terrifying. Um and yeah, I I was like I was, was so apologetic that I'd got ill and and was gonna put my family through this. Um yeah, hard, very hard. Yeah. And how how was your treatment process? How how did you find it? Um I the the first steps were awful. Um so the hospital that I met with, um so this is my lovely, I live in Hertfordshire and I'm on the cusp of London. So um I sort of end up going around quite a few hospitals, um, as they um but as close upon enough, you know, so they're not hanging around. Um and so I sort of bounced to the hospitals that have the same um, consultant and oncologist. And so one hospital I went to, one appointment that I went to, um, my husband and my brother were with me. And um, it was then they told me of um, my life expectancy and what the treatment plan was and how it was going to be. And the consultant turned around and, and said the words, real treatment is going to be brutal. Um, and I kind of appreciate her honesty for that because you don't want to mince around that. You don't want to sugarcoat it. Um, but at the same time, um, what she then said afterwards, for me, was the wrong thing to say. And that was saying that um, with the severity of my cancer, so my cancer was stage four, um, it was a blessing. So every appointment had grown a bit more. It grown a bit more. Um and so that by that appointment she said that they would have to remove my entire son. Um and I wouldn't be able to talk. So I would have um a permanent fat in a stoma um and I'd need a permanent vision tube. And I I, I sat there and just like what? The, I can't I can't comprehend now what my life is going to be like with additional tubes and wires. And and then she said to me that I have less than thirty percent chance of survival um to get to two years. And and asked me if I <clears throat> that I need to go home and think about whether I want to continue with this um treatment or whether I want to not and I was 39 at the time 
Um, I've been married to my husband for three days. Um, and that, that tore me apart. That was then my brother burst into tears, my husband burst into tears. And as I was standing on the platform of the tent to go home as a session, I had that, that sort of, you know what, if I jump, if I jump further, I'm not putting anyone through that stress. I'm not putting anyone through their emotions and their anxieties. And I'm not going to have my voice. I'm not going to have two of them that ever pumped in it. And I can end it all right now. And then I sort of looked at the people around on the platform and it was frightful. Um, and I looked at my husband and my brother who was just you know, dead emotional from the initiative that just had. And I was like, oh man, I find myself this. I can't do this to them as well. Um, so I need to do, I, I need to change my mindset now and there's a way to help myself um, be as strong as I can to be on this journey. And at that appointment, I'd been offered a second opinion um, at another hospital that wasn't part of the 10 of hospitals, that part of that trust. And so um, the following night, um, I ended up going to um, St. George's Hospital in Tutin and met the team there. And ironically, I was born in Tutin. So I was born in that hospital 39 years before. And I kind of felt a bit like this feels right. And this is before I've met the team. Um, I'm still feeling that the weight of the world's on my shoulders. Like, are they going to turn anything different? Or am I going to get that same um, sort of treatment? Am I going to get that same, same word? And we walked into the room and the atmosphere felt different. The atmosphere with the surgical team and the ontologist and the consultant just felt incredible. It just, it was buzzing. And they were like, yeah, we'll do this, this, this and this. Um, the tracheostomy was then for about seven to ten days. Um, the season two will come out when, when the event has it. And I was like, they're not permanent. I'm like, oh, God, no, no, not permanent at all. And I went, well, I don't for thought. And I went, they don't know is the answer. It all depends on how the surgery goes and how physio goes and all this. But our end is to have them thought in and to have the SNLS plan on the bit. And you know what? Either the signs that they're the men, but then I got invited to do a clinical trial with my Marsden who um, I then had another appointment with them the following night. Um, so my appointments now are kind of like um, up and down, so I have absolutely loads because I've seen so many different people, which I know isn't normal, it's not the usual process. Um, and then that following night, I met with the Royal Marsden, who invited me to join an immunotherapy tennis trial, um, and... They said that if I wasn't selected for it, they'd have still treated me as their patient. And so I signed up with them. And then a bit later, I was selected to be on the clinical trial. Wow. And that, that took me up to um, 
above for the end of doom. Um, so yeah, plenty of times. So it was about seven minutes after I'd been diagnosed. Wow. That's that's a lot. Um oh gosh. It's I'm pleased that you got that second opinion because that that it's like night and day what you were told at that second doctor's. Yeah, yeah, they're not so. So getting um, on a, a clinical trial, what what was that like? Because that's you're the first person I spoke to that's that's had that experience. How how was that? Um, it was really good. Um, and um, really get to know the team of people that the work with. Um, they're almost behind the family because of this and for such a long period of time. Um, so I had um. The, the trial that I was on was to have um, two infusions of immunotherapy prior to surgery um, to see whether or not it would help shrink the tumour. Um, and for me, that didn't work. So my tumour was so aggressive that um, within 12 weeks, it had gone from um, like a, <clears throat> a five centimetre long tumour to a nine centimetre long tumour. So it nearly doubled in size. Um and and it took the entire bit for and depth of my tongue. So it, it inhabited the whole of it. Um but there's the other part of the trial was that I was then to have fifteen infusions of um immunotherapy um post surgery. Um and um again it was it was really easy. <clears throat> like I had the only side effects I had at the time was um tiredness. Um and that lasted about twenty four hours. Um I know some other people have had it a little bit worse. Um some of them know um their hair they lost their hair from it and some of them got some blisters, but um I had quite an ride from it until about half their through. And then I got some side effects and I was unable to continue with the trial when I hit, um, I think it was the 10th infusion. I didn't make it to the 15th. Um, but overall, um, it, it was good. It was a positive experience. The, the team was really sort of informative and I, I, I had like questions on my phone that I was asking and they so how long does it take? What happens? What can I expect? I don't know. Um, I've read about dip then, dip then from bosis and blood pots and things. And, and so how do I do this? How do I do that? What can I do to support this? Um, and so because I kept asking all of these questions, they just were very happy to share with me. Um, and from that, I felt, I felt very valued as a person and I felt um that they understood the type of person that I was um for my personal knowledge to know what was happening to my body. Um so yeah, it was a very positive experience. That's really good. That's really good. So obviously we we connected online and I've seen some of your what's a what was that like, the um the actual surgery experience, if you don't mind sharing. Um, no, no, not at all. Um, I, I said this to anyone who goes through um, any form of surgery, um, but I said, so they have the easiest part, <laughs> and that's 
turning up, have for this and 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 then my thought, um, messing up though that that was odd, um, because you have um the nursing team of telling you who they are, where they are, what time it is, what day it is. And your first response is to those, okay then, and of course I couldn't. So um, I remember I was aware of like my hammers and bandages up because um, they took out the lip instruction. Um, it is a muscle in the arm, which is quite common. Um, so that was quite you know, heavy and, and, and solid with the bandages. Um, I remember seeing the the tracheostomy and then I was like, okay. But then there was like a burning pen that I couldn't I couldn't mess up what it was. And I couldn't ask. Um, and and so I ended up grabbing someone with my um my right hand that I had to do and pointing to my abdomen and they went, Oh, it's where they put the spindle and uh, then there's no button and the pen of this was I pressed and then fell asleep. But it's kind of like once I knew what that was, I was fine. Um and and so there, trying to speak in the time talks was odd and um there wouldn't be any mirrors um for three days. And and interestingly, when I had my phone, I didn't I didn't look, I didn't have a look to see what I looked like. Because it didn't cross my mind. Um, but when I came out of ICU, as soon as I was able to go to the bathroom, I had a look. And it wasn't awful. Um, it was kind of... Um, so I had um, stitches by my chin where um, they, they had to get open my door. Um, and it was... I was shocked at how nice and tidy it was. Um, so it's just like a little, a little zigzag, and then, um, and then I'm not sure what this is here, but, um, so my brother's down there, and then it's the air, and then it was almost a mess, it wasn't, I didn't have, it was pillow and, um, but it wasn't horrifying, it wasn't something out of a horror film, it was nice and tidy, and then I had my trap there, um, it was frustrating not being able to talk, um, but I did put a whiteboard that I sent there and and the whiteboard pen. Um, I went for about five or six pens, and then hospital, but they were absolute lifesavers. It meant that um I was able to communicate without typing on my phone or anybody and and helpful. Um, there that was good. Um, then no by mouth though that's awful. Um, especially when, <laughs> when the people in the room that they're in can have food. Um, the nose can smell a pop of tea from about a mile away. <laughs> um, I can imagine. I've been penning one morning to sin and they have a puffin and I was like... <laughs> and it's like... <laughs> oh, <I'm sorry. laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Madness. <laughs> oh bless you yeah I can't imagine I'd never thought about you're in a room with loads of other people and they're enjoying a nice cup of tea and you have to yeah uh, once I came out of I said um <clears throat> they put me in my own room and that was fab um like I really appreciated that um 
but then um just before I've discharged, I spent two nights on um a, a shared board. And there was one woman there um talking to her <laughs> talking to her daughter about the roast chicken dinner she's going to have. And I was just like, This is torture. <laughs> this is torture. <laughs> And there's nothing I could do. Um, I was learning how to set water at the time. It was like, uh, I'll get there one day. <laughs> what was your meal that you were looking forward to when you were unable to, to have food? Was you like, oh, I'm going to have a nice, like, I don't know, lasagna or, or whatever? Um, interesting, it was um, potatoes. Like, my husband and I absolutely loved Mexican food. Um, and... Um, and peppers and tomatoes and onions, or like, like tons of those in the bit. So, chicken to here, so the salad and buffanoli, nice and spicy. Yeah, that will work for me. Yeah, when, when I finally was able to have that, um, oh, it's like the best meal on earth. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. That's a good choice as well. For heaters, is always a nice shout. Yeah, but, you know, yeah. talking of food, obviously, I've seen your recipe book do you want to talk about that because that was quite a cool a cool thing to to do I imagine yeah so um I've got I've it's because of my food backgrounds I've always been interested in food and not just making it but like um how to make things taste better how this and I should put something differently or prepare it differently isn't that other flavors out of it, isn't that more complex flavors? Um, and as I said before, I like to. I've always liked trying to get people to eat food. So, um, a friend of mine came to my wedding a few years ago, and I know she's a vegan, but also has some other health issues. Um, and it was so cool to be able to set her by the hand there there was a massive buffet it was like four tables on and there was an entire table that was gluten-free and vegan for her um, and for other people but to tell them that we can have all of this and she was just like oh my god so realizing how sociable food is and how um other plants can take that away from you um is really hard like that was quite a challenge with my husband and I. There, they built out the meals, they said dinners and stuff. And now I'm at home watching him have food, and I've bought a milkshake or something like insole or something like that. And um, when I realised that I, when I was bidding the go ahead to swallow liquids, um, I started to make my own soups. Um, and a friend of mine, a proper friend, so sort of, um, said to me, well, why didn't you start writing this down um, and help other people? And I was like, okay then, that sounds like a good idea. But never never got round to it. And then I got made redundant in lockdown and suddenly have all of this time on my hands where I was feeling amazing, but didn't do anything. I was stuck in the house. So, um... I started to blend my own soups, um, and that sort of came from my husband eating a pepper in a pizza one night, and I was like, I need carbs, I need something to sustain me. Um, and so I worked out how to make pepper in a pizza soup, um, and 
that does mention so that this has a pizza. Um, it's bizarre how it's worked so well. Um, and then some soups I moved on to, um, like light bites. Um, because when there are learning how to eat, um, the appetite's there, but it takes so long. And the initial stages that, you know, the families won't take the four hours to, to eat. So I then started putting things like um, bits of pate, there's um, soft foods, so that you thought it's soft, but there's some time to it and start building up that, that old feeling of satisfying um, chilling. Um, and then move on to like sauces, because sauces and bread is a massive role. Um, and, um, and then I did some meals that are... Um, and then for the soft palate, but have a bit of texture. And then there's those if they're all on this diet, then this is if a little bit further on, then listen to this. And then I did put in some as well. And then that missing um Chris, who is the CEO of the Swallows, um, they got entered in five today and to lock them. And he said, Well, if if you make the books then We'll pay for it and we'll publish it. Um, and that's what happened. Um, and all the places went to them. And then sort of 14 months, they sold all the books. Uh, and there's about £5,000 for the swallows. That's so, amazing. Uh, and, oh, just phenomenal. It's done around the world. There's um, Spitzelander's therapist in Dubai who is translating it into other bits for her patients. It's done to Australia and America. As a little, like, it has done so far across the world. I am amazed. Um, and it's not just used by people who've been through um, other cancer, but I know there's um, a, a friend who works with... Um, dementia patients and she uses it for that because like pepper and it's a soup is because it has those memories but it doesn't have the rest of token for them. Um I thought Spitz and Andrew's um therapist contacted me through social media um asking us advice about food from that book to then help their patients. So yeah, from there right it's just how to pay for medical suggestion, and then I was made redundant, and then uh, may as well do the book then, and and yeah, amazing, so amazing. Yeah, that's incredible. That's like yeah, it's travelled far and wide now, and helping loads and loads of people. That you can feel really proud. I am. I am. Yeah, I am so so proud. Um, <clears throat> like from something that um completely changed my life. <clears throat> to message something positive out of it and then then also help others. Um I just feel so very proud that I, I, I was able to do that and um <clears throat> and I had people who put their trust in me <clears throat> and believed that I could do it. And so there's there's all of those people that did sort of universal encouragement. Um I'm very thankful for them. Um, because without them, I think I probably would have set up. Um, and just then, no, I don't, I, I can't do that. Um, but yeah, incredible. It is, it, it really is. So, as a, a nice note to, to end on, um, 
If you had to give any advice uh, using your experiences to someone that is either concerned about a symptom that they found or they've found out that they have tongue cancer or they're at any point on their journey um what what would be your your one piece of advice um <clears throat> oh it, it would be to um take the time um the the whole recovery process and the treatment process is slow um and and it hurts like they just says it hurts um um, and um, it's so slow that they think that the pen will never go or the, the endless mucus will never go and actually it's only for a short period. Um, there's a time to rest. There's yourself time to recover and rehabilitate. Um, because when they start building up the strength, to learn how to edit them and, and to start finding things that work for you. Um, the fine professionals call that the new normal. Um, but I'm just like, it's whatever works for you. There will be times where one day it doesn't work. And that's because of the nature of our mouth and the chin and the dentsu. Pets the back of the set. But try not to get frustrated over that rest. And that's the body then and there's a moment. So have that moment. Um take a bell off or this off, whatever it is, but then go back to it. And they'll find that that bit, the more likely to be able to do it then. There's a amount of times where I feel so away because I could never eat this and and my husband had to have me because I burst into tears because I put Tabasco in a suit, not expecting it to burn and it my word, it was horrific. Well, now I can have a little bit of tobacco in the soup. It just took two and a half years to get there, but it's there. Um, and without trying again later on, I would never be able to eat the foods that I can eat. And I'm not restricted on what I can eat. Um, when I thought I'd never talk to them and... and Tried sinning along to songs and, and things. I was like, I'm never going to do this. Well, now here I am talking to you and I have my channels that I talk to people in. So take time to rest. Um, it's so important um, because it really does help in the long run. Yeah, 100%. And um, yeah, I couldn't think of a lovelier note to, to end on. And I will leave you be to enjoy your afternoon. Um, and just thank you for talking. And I'm going to have to get that pepperoni soup um, recipe off you because that's really piqued my interest. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. <laughs> yes, I mean, the thing with oral cancer, it, it's, um, it's visible. Um, and it's visible in the way that um, patients talk and the way that they eat and everything because it's it's the bit of us that's on show. Um, with other cancers, you wouldn't know that somebody was a survivor of, you know, breast, breast cancer, bowel cancer, you know, in other parts of the body. You don't really, unless they tell you, whereas with oral cancer, it is something that is in our faces really uh literally so it is really um really good that somebody can shed a light on this so that um 
we are aware of of the the difficulties that perhaps other people don't think of mm-hmm. absolutely couldn't agree more and uh yeah from from listening to her she's just such an incredible person and just shows how you can recover and not only just recover but adapt and use your experience to help other people which is it takes a lot of courage in just that never mind getting through the treatment but being able to put yourself out there is just yeah I'm in awe of the people that we speak to more so the survivors than anyone else and um, she's just brilliant Mm. and he's giving something back that you know you nobody expects to um to get cancer i mean nobody is sort of you know you're not you're not expecting it to be you but when it is and you hear about people being able to help other people and share their experiences and and they get so much out of it as well it's a real like you say you know it's all inspiring absolutely and um, we're really happy to have been able to speak to her and that she felt comfortable enough with us to share her story is um, is lovely as well. Um, and of course, we'll link all of her information below so that if you want to go and have a look at her amazing videos and learn more about her, you can do. Um, I recommend it. She's a brilliant person. And um, yeah, if you want to learn more about the campaign, then go to mouthcancer.org um, or across all of our social medias as well. And um, yeah, just thank you again to Laura, really, for being able to speak to us. And thanks, Karen, for, for joining me. And um, yeah, we'll speak to you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.